I think you should be able to hear me now. Well, I was thinking about what to say when I first got here, and I thought, well, maybe I should say something humorous. You know, humor can be really dangerous from the pulpit. And I thought, well, I could say something about this really cool microphone and how I hadn't worn one of these since I, I didn't make the Backstreet Boys auditions. Um, or I could have said that about, I don't know, two and a half days ago, I almost texted Greg to say, what a great time to be a Nats fan. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm not going to say those things. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew he, with his sense of humor, he would have an appreciation for saying it this morning and saying it two and a half days ago also. Um, it is so great to be here, and I appreciate the warm welcome earlier, and um, really thankful that Wanda was able to, to join me here. She's right back there. Um, uh, we, well, I'll just say that uh, she had, a, we had an incident in the vehicle with uh, our Raleigh family, about nine days ago and hurt her back pretty good, but she's been really coming around and the Lord's been healing her back and I'm really thankful that she can be here with me this morning. So I'll just say, as much as you want to hug her hard, <laughs> just, uh, I don't know, just give her the fist bump or something like that. And, um, but I'm really glad, really thankful that she's here and we are, th we are really grateful. You know, I've had so many people say, you know, thanks for coming, you know, to Grace. It, we, we need no reason other than just to be here to come so thank you so much and um, it's just a privilege to be able to to contribute in this way as you as you learn what the Lord has for us in the book of numbers and it's all been just rosy so far hasn't it <laughs> you've been here I can tell <laughs> you know expository preaching and expository teaching by definition gives us the benefit of hearing and studying God's Word as it is in the Bible and it's that expository part that has us to go straight through God's Word just as God has laid it out for us. God's Word is it's inspiring. It is transforming. And it builds us up. We benefit from the Word as it is taught straight from the Bible. Straight out of God's Word. You know, though, that word benefit can actually cut two ways, though. We think of benefiting as getting us something that we really like, something that will delight us, something that's a great benefit. Then I'm reminded of all those training times in my life, early on to just very recently when I've needed some benefit, when I had to listen to and give deep consideration to a lesson that was for my benefit, for my own good. And it can hurt, and it does. When we commit to teach through God's Word, we get both. All of God's promises to care for us, to provide for us, to know that He will hold us close, to know that He will save us. And we also receive from Him some tough lessons. And the book of Numbers and chapters 16 and 17 are no different. They are, they are full of lessons for us. Today, church, we have a front row seat. A front row seat as the children of Israel behave sinfully and are taught lessons by their Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father. So please join me in prayer, and we'll get in the Word. Father God, we are grateful for who you are. 
We are grateful for how you love us as your creation with whom you desire relationship and fellowship. We come to you now humbly and thoughtfully, desiring to hear and learn from you through your word to us. Father, we believe that every word from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation is true and is altogether you letting us know who you are and who we are in relation to you and in relation to the world around us. May our thoughts and my words be a sweet aroma to you, our Father and our Creator. And it's in Christ's holy name that I pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul referred to what had happened with the children of Israel while they were in the wilderness. He wrote about these things that took place. And let's listen to why he brought it up to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 through 12. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. And notice that destroyer is with a capital D. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And as we, as we turn to our text this morning, Numbers chapters 16 and 17, before we get straight into that text, I'm going to read the last five verses of chapter 15 that Chris preached from last week. And these words will be familiar, just the last five verses of 15. Because I want to listen to the context of what's happening when we get to 16. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after, which means to commit idolatry, so you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. Now, as we turn to chapter 16 and 17 of Numbers, I would encourage you to, uh, to turn. It's all going to be up here on the, on the uh, slides. But if you'd like to make notes in the margin of your Bible, I encourage you to turn in your Bible and uh, be prepared to do that as we go through. Like I said, we have a front row seat. It seems like a lot to take in, but it flows. I mean, it is a, it is a flat out a, a story for us, for our benefit. Now, Korak, the son of Izzer, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dothan, and Abram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 
250 chiefs of the congregation chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far, for all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face. And he said to Korak and all his company, In the morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will bring him near to him. The one whom he chooses he will bring near to him. Do this. Take censers, Korak and all his company. Put fire in them and put incense on them before the Lord. Tomorrow and the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the holy one. You have gone too far, sons of Levi. And Moses said to Korak, Hear now, you sons of Levi, is it too small a thing that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister to them, and that he has brought you near him and all your brothers, the sons of Levi, with you? And would you seek the priesthood also? Therefore it is against the Lord that you and all your company have gathered together. What is Aaron that you would grumble against him? And Moses sent to call Dothon and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and they said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you must also make yourself a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. And Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, and I have not harmed one of them. And Moses said to Korak, Be present. You and all your company before the Lord, you and they and Aaron tomorrow. And let every one of you take his censer and put incense on it. And every one of you bring before the Lord his censer, 250 censers, you also and Aaron, each his censer. So every man took his censer and put fire in them and laid incense on them and stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Then Korak assembled all the congregation against them at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all in the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, <clears throat> Separate yourself from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and will you be angry with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the congregation, Get away from the dwelling of Korak, Dothon, and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dothon and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart, please, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be swept away with all their sins." So they got away from the dwelling of Korak, Dothan, and Abiram. And Dothan and Abiram 
came out and stood at the door of their tents, together with their wives, their sons, and their little ones. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, and that it has not been of my own accord. If these men die as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the, if the Lord creates something new, and the ground opens his mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. And as soon as he had finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korak and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, and they said, Lest the earth swallow us up. And the fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering the incense. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to take up the censers out of the blaze. Then scatter the fire far and wide, for they have become holy. As the censers of these men who have sinned at the cost of their lives, let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar. For they have offered them before the Lord, and they became holy. Thus they shall be assigned to the people of Israel. So Eleazar, the priest, took the bronze censers, which those who were burned had offered, and they were hammered out as a covering for the altar to be a reminder to the people of Israel so that, so that no outsider who was not of the descendants of Aaron should draw near to burn incense before the Lord, lest he become like Korak and his company, as the Lord said to him through Moses. But on the next day, all the congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. And when the congregation had assembled against Moses and against Aaron, they turned toward the tent of meeting, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from the midst of this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put fire on it from off the altar and lay incense on it and carry it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. So Aaron took it as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people, and he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700, besides those who died in the affair with Korak. And Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting when the plague was stopped. Chapter 17. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and get from them staffs, one for each father's house from all their chiefs, according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. Write each man's name on his staff 
and write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi. For there shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where, where I meet with you. And the staff of the man whom I chose or choose shall sprout. Thus I will make to cease for me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and all their chiefs gave, gave him staffs, one for each chief, according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. And the staff of Aaron was among their staffs. And Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the, of the testimony. On the next day, Moses went into the tent of testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the people of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels that you may make an end of their grumblings against me, lest they die. Thus did Moses... As the Lord commanded him, so he did. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish, we are undone, we are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Are we all to perish? I want to clarify a term first. You heard a lot about censors. So what in the world is a censor? Well, a censor, and I looked it up, and there are various variations of it, but if you have seen a fireplace little black shovel that's about this long, it has a, a pretty shallow um, blade and kind of wide with a handle, that's what these censors look like. That's what these censors look like. They were made of bronze, just like we heard, they were used by the priests, particularly the high priest in the Holy of Holies within the tabernacle. And on the annual day of atonement, a gold censer was used. Now Aaron was appointed to be a priest from the tribe of Levi way back in Leviticus 8. And in Leviticus chapter 9, he had been appointed by God to be the high priest. And he would make atonement for his own sins and the sins of all the people of Israel. That's what the high priest was assigned to do. He was the first high priest. You may remember the name Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the high priest of the nation of Israel at the time of Jesus' trial and crucifixion. Moses was the appointed chief leader of the children of Israel. Even further back than Leviticus, in Exodus chapter 3, and in Exodus chapter 4, it is written that the people believed that God had sent Moses to lead them. They accepted his role as set forth by the Lord. Moses was Aaron's brother and was also from the tribe of Levi. The scripture refers to Moses as also a prophet when he says in Deuteronomy 18.15, The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Moses was referring to the coming Messiah. He was referring to Jesus. In the first event, and in your Bibles it may say the rebellion of Korach, 
Cork, a, a Levi, led that rebe rebellion against Moses and Aaron. The rebellion was really against God. Cork amassed a group of over 250 men. That's a lot of people. That can be intimidating. They said to Moses and Aaron, You have gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the, of the Lord? Verse 4, it says Moses went face down. But when you read it and you hear what's coming next, Moses really paused because he was getting an amazing word and a sad word from God himself. So Moses paused. And then he said to Korak and his followers, follow this particular approach given by God and he will set the one he has chosen apart. Moses knew that Korak's focus was on the priesthood. And other, other Levites in Korak's congregation. He was not satisfied being a Levite only. He wanted to be a priest. And maybe even a high priest. Moses continues by telling the rebels, particularly the Levites in the congregation, that they had gone too far. God has set Aaron and his sons apart from the rest of the tribe of Levi to be the priests. And Aaron, the chief priest, Numbers 16 and 17 are about the children of Israel insisting that Aaron and his sons not be the only priests and Aaron the chief priest. They were rebelling. They wanted, they wanted more. Another message that may be here, but it's not the one there could be a whole message on jealousy taught here, I, I believe. Moses and Aaron are faced by a small army of men, men who were their family. All of these folks are family. So God set the approach to his handling of this sinful uprising. Verses 16 and 17 in chapter 16 lay it out. And Moses said to Korah, Be present, you, all your company before the Lord, you and they, and Aaron tomorrow. Let every one of you take his censer and put incense on it, and every one of you bring before the Lord his censer. 250 censers, you also, and Aaron each his censer. And once everyone is assembled, the Lord showed up and told Moses and Aaron to stand back because of what he was about to do. And Moses and Aaron spoke on behalf of the people. The same people who have, this, this army of folks who have come up against them, really pressing in. It reminded me of the song that we sang before the offering, where these men, they put their trust in the Lord and they, stu they stood firm. We sang those words, because that's what we are to do also, to trust in the Lord and to stand firm, just like Moses and Aaron. But the Lord proceeded. And we heard the account of God's actions against those who sinned against him and sought to undermine Moses and Aaron. Korak, Dothan, Abiram, and their families, all swallowed up alive by the earth. Then the 250 men who represented a cross-section of all the tribes of Israel respected leaders, each one, willing to handle censors that were appointed to be used ceremonially only by the priests, they were consumed by fire by God. 
we ask ourselves, why did God do this? We like to know why, and it's important that we search for why from God's Word. And you're going to get to it, but in Numbers chapter 26, verses 9 and 10, we're told. The sons of Eliab, Nemuel, Dothan, and Abiram. These are the Dothan and Abiram chosen from the congregation who contended against Moses and Aaron in the company of Korah when they contended against the Lord. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah when that company died, when the fire devoured 250 men and they became a warning. Now you may remember I enjoy my concordance and the word warning here in Hebrew means a signal, a signal flag. Or maybe even think of a flare shot into the, into the air. And it's saying, pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. Several years ago, we had the pleasure of welcoming Gene Getz into this very, this very pulpit. Uh, Gene was in town for a few days. Guy found out about it, and he came and shared a message. It was wonderful. He's a well-known Bible scholar, author, and pastor. Gene has been a part of pulling together a study Bible called Life Essential Study Bible. And as a part of the study notes, Gene includes many segments throughout that Bible he calls Principles to Live By. The principle to live by that he shares in Numbers chapter 16 of that study Bible is titled Inexcusable Disloyalty. He says, this is a quote from his, from his principle to live by, we must never become part of a conspiracy against godly spiritual leaders. Gene's emphasis points to godly and spiritual, those who are fulfilling God's call on their life and are not violating God's will, but are doing God's will. We see in this chapter that people, members from among this community, the children of Israel initiate rebellion two times. They initiate the conversation, they initiate action, and the second time is here in verse 41. But on the next day, all the congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now, did you catch that? This is the very next day when maybe one of the most miraculous occurrences in all, all time had happened. The earth had opened up and swallowed up a lot of people. And fire came down and took the lives of 250 men. On the next day, all the congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and said, You have killed the people of the Lord. That's their accusation. You have killed the people of the Lord. So let me ask you, is that true? Did Moses and Aaron kill the people of the Lord? I see some head doing this. I don't see anybody doing this. <laughs> because no, it's not so. God was who acted to cause the justice that had led to their deaths. If the accusation is wrong, then who told them that? Who told those leaders of that band that had separated themselves from the, the greater nation, decided to rebel, who told them <clears throat> that Moses and Aaron had killed God's people? 
So who, who do you think told, who told Korach that Aaron, or that Moses was ex, and Aaron were exalting themselves above the, the rest of the nation? Remember, Korach said at the end of his, his, of his accusation, you have exalted yourself above the other people. And who told him that Moses had made himself a prince over them? Those are three false accusations, but led these folks to take the steps that they had taken, to rebel against God. When we're deciding to believe something or not, whose voice is it we hear in our heads or in our hearts? When I thought about that, I came up immediately with two thoughts in my mind, two potential sources. Number one is God himself through his Holy Spirit. Hopefully, we hear God's voice. But the second option that I thought of, and this has influenced, um, our small group went through the Truth Project uh, this past summer, and it's, it's a lot about truth. And uh, I thought about Satan. And I thought about the Garden of Eden when Satan, as the serpent, said to Adam and Eve, you will not surely die. You will not surely die. There were two truth claims available to Adam and Eve and to us at all times. The truth claim of God, which we have right here in his word at all times, and the truth claim of Satan. And Satan's are always pure, complete lies. Even as close as they may seem to be truth, they're always complete lies. Well, that's what I thought about when I asked myself, what, do we, what voices do we hear in our heads? But in, in the book of Jeremiah, the Lord gives us the answer himself. Jeremiah 7, verses 23 through, 30, through 26 says, and this is, these are God's words through Jeremiah. But this command I gave them, obey my voice and I will be your God. And you shall be my people and walk in all the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts and went backward and not forward. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. And you know, nothing has changed. We either strive to walk in God's way or we do what seems right in our own eyes, in our own hearts, or in our own thoughts with evil hearts. And this word evil here means good for nothing. It doesn't mean that we're out there, I don't know, damaging people's property, stealing things, that type of thing. It just means a heart that's good for nothing. Good for nothing in God's economy, good for nothing in kingdom work. And the only difference between today and Satan speaking to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Evil, or God, the, the Garden of Eve, is the fall and its effect on our natural heart conditions. Satan worked personally in the garden and the lasting effect of that fall is born into each one of us as God reminds us through Jeremiah. And once again, God shows up the same way as the day before when he had shown up. 
He warned Moses of what was about to happen, and Moses sent the high priest, the only person who could do this on the face of the earth. He sent the high priest Aaron to do his job, and that was to make atonement for the sins of the people. And Aaron was able to halt the spreading of the plague. Well, actually, God halted the spreading of the plague, but by, by, by Aaron offering atonement, God halted, and he forgave the sins of the people and halted the plague. But he, didn't, he was not able to completely prevent it. 14,700 people died. Twice here, the people of Israel initiated a push against God, thinking that they were attacking Moses and Aaron. They obviously were not thinking very well. Has this continued since this account in Numbers? I asked myself that question, so I had to do some research. And listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself. And he strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. So here Paul, like Moses in the book of Numbers, and dear Stephen in the book of Acts, and Jesus hanging on the cross, asked God to not hold the sins against the sinners in his case. Humility in great display by each of these men throughout history. And yes, this type of rebellion will continue as long as, as, long as humans continue to be involved in, in actions on this earth. All right, now it's God's turn to initiate. And God did something phenomenally amazing and phenomenally cool. He not only identified, really a reaffirmation in Aaron's case, who the high priest was. He did it in the same way that his ultimate and final high priest would be put into place. You say, well, how's that? Through resurrection. Through resurrection. The 12 staffs that were given to Moses were just sticks. There was no life in those staffs. They were just dead wooden sticks. But God put life back into Aaron's staff and not only had it sprouted by putting out buds, it also produced blossoms and bore ripe almonds. God went beyond what he said he would do. Aaron was confirmed high priest from the tribe of Levi through an act of resurrection. That's amazing, isn't it? To think, it's just amazing to think about that, how, how we see those, those glimpses. We love to see those glimpses of the coming Messiah and the coming victory over death in the New Testament. This was just a look ahead at how God was going to confirm his ultimate and final high priest, his son Jesus but not from the line of Levi. Jesus was from the kingly line, the tribe of Judah, which began with King David. We remember that. That's right. He was from Judah. So how could God, our unchanging, unfailing, ever faithful God, be consistent and orderly as he always is? 
Don't priests come from the tribe of Levi, beginning with Aaron? Well, there's one other line that existed long before Aaron and the Levites. Jesus is the high priest from the line of Melchizedek. Do you remember that name from Genesis? Priest of the Most High, whose name means King of Peace, referred to as King of Salem, Priest of God Most High. Melchizedek met Abraham in the beginning. And like Aaron, but so not like Aaron, Jesus, as our great high priest, has made atonement. And the way we're told in Hebrews 10, verse 14, it says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Aaron and all the successive priests had to do it once a year. They went, every year there was a day of atonement. The Lord Jesus, by a single offering has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Well, let's don't trip over the word sanctified. It simply means that a person who is being sanctified is becoming more like Jesus on a continual uphill path. More like Jesus. That's all it means. When we're being sanctified, we're becoming more like him. And who are those who are being sanctified? They are those who have accepted Jesus the Christ as Lord and Savior of their life and are justified, which simply means they are forever changed to be His forever. That's all it means. They are forever changed to be His forever by His righteousness. Those who have accepted God's gift and His desire for us to have eternal life with Him. That's who these folks are, who Jesus is, has made atonement and we're being sanctified. It's a free gift from God our Father by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And folks, we, it's, it's wonderful to have a message that can, that can span Old Testament, New Testament, and, in, and we, we think about God's people. These are God's people that are out in that wilderness. The nation of Israel, they were God's people. But you know what? That has, that has changed with the great high priest taking his seat. God's people today is known as one word. It's called church. Church. We are God's people. We are God's people. So let's just keep in mind these these lessons that we've learned that God has shown us for our benefit, for our own good. Let's pray. Father, we are all sinners, as your word teaches us. But Father, we're also your people. In the book of Numbers, your people were the Israelites. Today, your people are the members of the church, of this church, Father. It's us. Help us as your people to abide more and more and more with the Lord Jesus. Father, that's the only chance we have to get life in Christ right. And Father, by being in your word so that we know your voice, to hear and obey your truth claims and become wise to the lies of the world. 
we pray that we will not believe everything we think. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who is not sure of this saving relationship with you for themselves, Father, I pray that they settle that matter right here and right now. Father, it's in the awesome name of your great high priest, Jesus, that I pray. Amen.